This morning's reading is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realised that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophets, Jeremiah, was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So as fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Thank you, Nicholas, very much. And uh, let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would uh, speak to us this morning through the Bible, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I hope you've had a, a wonderful time yesterday, and it's been a good Christmas. Uh, let us just be brought down to earth for a moment. No, for 20-odd minutes. The world we live in, Omicron, refugees, disputes between countries, pressure on Ukraine, typhoons in the Philippines, flooding in Singapore, tornadoes in the States, and what a world we live in. And uh, the Bible tells us, Christians believe, that uh, uh, the reason for the world being the way the world is, is just simply this, because the world rebels. The world rebels. God rules, yes, but the world rebels. And that rebellion, past, present, future, that's just what the world is like. And uh, of course, there's plenty of contemporary evidence for this, isn't it? I imagine when you came out this morning, you locked your door. I imagine you've probably got locks on the windows. You may have an alarm at home. Uh, perhaps you have, I hope you have, internet security on your computer. We have a police force. There are such things as hospitals, a cemetery down the road. There are prisons. There are refugees crossing the channel 
on rubber inflatable boats and some of them tragically not making it. Sorry, I know it's the day after Christmas. We are still celebrating. I'm sure you've got family around today or you have had and you're looking forward to others coming or whatever it is. But that's our passage for this morning. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, the Magi have just gone, the wise men have just gone. And uh, here we are in Matthew 2, verses 13 to 23. And an angel appears to Joseph, uh, and he and Mary and their baby become refugees. Verse 13 there. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. In fact, twice Joseph is told to get up. It happens again in there in verse 20. And twice, Matthew records, and he got up. So verse 14, so he got up. Verse 21, so he got up. And they must have gone immediately. So he got up, verse 14, took the child and his uh, mother during the night and left for Egypt. How would you have liked to be in their situation? Okay, so here you are, you're, uh, uh, you've got a, a, a relatively newborn baby, it could have been Jesus was almost a toddler, the Magi often took a while, to, uh, obviously took a while to get there, um, but uh, he then has this dream and they leave in the middle of the night. So I'm sure he would have gone, he would have woken Mary and said, Mary, Mary, we've got to go now, and we've got to take Jesus with us and we're going, and we're going down to Egypt, and that's actually quite a long way. And they became refugees. Refugees. Jesus, the Lord Jesus, becoming a refugee. Actually, there are quite a lot of Jews living in Egypt who are refugees, just in the top, kind of, you look on the map, top right, to the right of the Nile Delta there. Uh, and Jesus uh, and his mum and dad joined them. Before possibly he could even talk, the Lord of the universe became a refugee. And why was he a refugee? Because he came to live in a world which was rebelling against its creator. And you've got here King Herod, who really kind of encapsulates the whole thing about human rebellion, doesn't he? Uh, He is that rebellion, if you like, as he attempts to just snuff out Emmanuel, God with us. So the the first point is this, that the world rebels. And the thing I want to say about this is actually the world's rebellion is ultimately futile. In fact, if you think about it, all rebellion against God has got to be ultimately futile. If God exists, then all rebellion against him must be futile. Mustn't it? In the end. And Herod was a nasty piece of work. Uh, he, had, uh, he had murdered his son, his mother-in-law, his father-in-law, his uncle. And then, apparently, when he was dying, he gave orders that one person from every family in the lands should be murdered before his funeral so that the country would have uh, genuine mourning when he himself died. That was his order. Thankfully, it wasn't carried out. But that was his order. He was a nasty piece of work. And baby Jesus was a huge threat. A huge threat to this nasty, nasty piece of work. The the Magi, the the, the wise men, they'd been there asking and saying, where is this one born the king of the Jews? And Herod would have been thinking, well, I'm the king of the Jews. So what's this little squirt doing? We've got to get rid of this guy because he's a threat. He's got to go. 
And the Magi outwitted Herod, the wise men. They didn't, uh, they didn't go back to tell Herod where this baby was, where this Jesus was. And so Herod organized uh, the, uh, the mass, or he may not have organized it, but he ordered it, this mass slaughter of all the boys in Bethlehem, two years old and under, and in the surrounding area as well, just to make sure. There were probably 20, 30 maybe little lads who were butchered on the order of King Herod. And, and that was prophesied. So you see it in verse 17, 600 odd years before. Um, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. And you think, what's all this about? Well, a voice is heard in Rama, weeping and great mourning. Well, Rama is very near to Bethlehem. And Rama is where Rachel was buried. And in Jeremiah's day, the road from Judah, where they were, off to, um, uh, off to exile in Babylon, would have gone through Rama. So the deportees who were being taken from Judah off the eight, nine hundred, maybe a thousand miles over to Babylon, would have gone through Rama. A voice is heard in Rama, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children as they're being deported and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And then Matthew, as he writes this, he's saying, well, actually, there's a second fulfillment here because this happened when those boys were butchered just down the road. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. It's an atrocity born in rebellion. And ultimately, of course, it is a rebellion against God and very specifically a rebellion against the God who has sent the Lord to this earth. And it is an attempt to replace God, really, isn't it? Bertrand Russell once said, every man would like to be God if it were possible. Someone else said, uh, sin is man's declaration of independence from God. Basically saying, look, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be God, thank you very much. That's in our hearts. Someone else wrote, who can change that intractable thing, human nature? There is a tragedy at the heart of things. But you know, you can see here, yes, there is rebellion against God. Yes, you can see it in Herod. Actually, you can recognize those kind of thoughts, those ideas in our own lives, in our own hearts. But it will never, ever, ever succeed. It is futile. Maybe there's an odd little kind of victory, we think. But actually, you don't win in the end. And Herod found that out, didn't he? Look at verse 19. The first three words. After Herod died. And after Herod died, that would have been his judgment day. That would have been the day when he came face to face with God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And actually the reigning Lord Jesus, whom he had tried to kill. And that would have been his judgment day. And he was replaced by an equally nasty piece of work, his son, Herod Archelaus, cut from the same cloth. We hear of him in verse 22. And when he heard, that's when Joseph heard Archelaus was reigning in Judea in uh, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a a town called Nazareth. No one's ever heard of Nazareth. 
When Matthew wrote that, no one had ever heard of Nazareth. It's not in the Old Testament. It doesn't feature. And why do you think he went there? I reckon we can be pretty sure that Joseph decided to go to Nowhereville. I reckon he decided to go up north, away from the trouble, to keep his family safe. I reckon he chose Nazareth because no one had actually ever heard of Nazareth. And he decided to settle where they have now. But in those days, no one, I guarantee you, no one had heard of Nazareth. And he went there and he settled there in peace and safety for about 30 years. And then Jesus began his public ministry. Jesus was born into a rebellious world which tried to kill him. Personified in the Herod family. And they failed. And in the end, all rebellion against God failed. It's bound to. It's really bound to. And all those who rebel against God, until their dying day, face at the end an eternal separation from God. God is the ruler, the king, the Lord. And all rebellion against him is ultimately futile. You want to find out more? We've still got a few of these books at the back. We've given away loads and loads and loads of them. Uh, Is Christmas unbelievable? Uh, Four questions everyone should ask about the world's most famous story. Do grab one of those. Just pick it up. They're all free uh, and take them away as you leave if you'd like to. Or if you want to find out more, we are running Hope Explored. Starts on January the 6th. Three weeks to find out more about the Lord Jesus. So uh, the world is in rebellion. It's ultimately futile. The big thing today is the world rebels, but God rules. So the second thing, well, we've got the world's rebellion. That's ultimately futile. And then the second thing to say is God rules. And how does he do it? Through his words. Through his words. How is God's sovereignty revealed to the world? Well, actually, it's through his word. And you see it in three ways here. You see it through the prophets. There are three times the prophets are mentioned. We'll come to that in a sec. Uh, Second, through two dreams that Joseph had. And then third, through the word that is written for us now. So um, first of all, the prophets. Matthew was very, he was a Jewish guy, and he was very keen to tell anyone who'd listen that actually these things that were happening were in the fulfillment of what God had said in the Old Testament. And there are three examples here. So verse 15, that's Hosea in the 8th century BC, 700 and something BC, 730 perhaps, 740 perhaps, before Jesus was born. Then you've got the one we've looked at in verse 18, and that's Jeremiah 600 BC, writing specifically about the massacre of the innocent but also describing in the first place the deportation of those hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of people trudging through Rama on their way off to exile but also talking about this awful thing that happened in Bethlehem just down the road and then also in look at the end of verse 23 uh, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene now, the trouble with that, that's not said anywhere in the Old Testament. <laughs> so what do we mean? Uh, well, it could be, it's just generally kind of thought that that was the case. Or it could be, here's just a little thing, um, that uh, the word Nazarene you see there, well, if you just flick back to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1, this is a prophecy about Jesus. A root will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now, the word Nazarene and the word branch are almost identical. 
So it could be that when this was originally written down, uh, uh, and so was called through the prophets in Nazareth there, but he's actually talking about the fact he's a branch. It's, he's come from David's town, because Jesse was David's dad and so on. So it could be about uh, a branch, and that he is actually uh, uh, the, uh, call, talking about Jesus' ancestry. Maybe. The thing is, though, that God is orchestrating all this. God knew this was going to happen. The scriptures foretold all this. It was there. It was always going to happen because God is the sovereign Lord, overruling all rebellion against him, making sure that this family are going to be kept safe, that the Lord and Savior of the universe is kept safe for his purpose in life. And then, um, so there's, uh, there's the prophets, but there's also uh, there are the dreams here. So verse 13, Joseph has a dream. Verse 19, Joseph has a dream. And, and we've seen that Joseph acted on them straight away. And they, uh, verse 19, they go to Egypt. Perhaps they were there for a year. Maybe it was as much as seven years. We're not sure. Uh, certainly when he came back in verse 20, he's called a child and not a baby. The fact is that God chose to speak to Joseph through dreams. That might not be the normal way it happens. But he did then, and we should not discount the possibility that he might now. Or if not a dream, maybe a nudge, a word in your ear, whatever it would be. But God could do that. Don't just discount it. I think that would be unwise. So, for instance, uh, a few years back, a few years, a few days, no, wrong, a few weeks back, get your chronology right, a few weeks back, during December, I think it was, Richard Brunton, a friend of ours here at BH, uh, and a Goldstone as well, in fact. Um, uh, he just felt a clear nudge from the Lord that he ought to go and see this old lady in hospital. So he did a Joseph, and he got up and went. And he went to the hospital. He went to the, uh, the lady's bedside. They, uh, had, she was very poorly. He had a good chat. Actually, not much of a chat, but he did read the Bible, and they did pray. And then he said his goodbyes, and he left. She died about three minutes after he left. We think he was nudged by the Lord to go and see her, to comfort her, and to repair her for heaven on that last few minutes of her life here on earth. And I just want to say, this is not the, perhaps the normal or the promised way that God is going to work, but if you do feel nudged to uh, give someone a buzz, Send someone some money, make a full phone call, go and knock on someone's door, uh, whatever it would be. If you feel that kind of thing, I want to say, well, maybe we shouldn't just dismiss it. It's possible, isn't it? Just possible. The Lord may actually be saying, look, I want you to go and do something to further the gospel, to help someone on their way to glory, whatever it would be. Now, I'm not saying we should rule our lives that way, because the next point is actually the most important, which is this third, that actually God speaks to us. He has promised to speak to us. He speaks to us primarily through the word of God, the Bible. Uh, the Lord Jesus uh, commissioned the apostles both to remember and to write down uh, the New Testament. He is also gave his own authority to the Old Testament. So the authority of the Bible, the significance of the Bible, all hangs on Jesus commissioning the New Testament and uh, having the Old Testament as his own Bible. And it is the main way he speaks to us. It is the way he has promised to speak to us. Yes, he can speak in other ways, but he's promised to speak through this way. So why would you neglect it?
Why would you not read it? Why would you try to live 2022 without it? No, of course, that's why every sermon we have here, every sermon, is going to be from the Bible. Because that is the way that God has promised to speak to his people. And in this book, we find the gospel. We find out about the Lord Jesus. We find out that, uh, and we understand and we're told uh, uh, the deep depths of the extraordinary profundity of what has happened, that he died for us, that he took our sins in his own body as he died for us, and God's wrath was poured into him as he took our place as he died for us, and now he's risen, and now he's reigning in heaven for all eternity. That's where we find out in God's words uh, the truths and the understanding of what has happened in history. Most of all, God rules the world through his word. So Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this, The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. And again, he said this, For Christians live every day by the word as the body lives by food. He who does not have the word or ponder it soon becomes a sorry wretch. Engage with the word of God this Christmas time. Why not just again today sometime, just read the Christmas account in Matthew 1 and 2 or in Luke's gospel or read John chapter 1 slowly and carefully. And why not read the Bible? I mean, okay, I'm a lark, okay? I have no problem at all getting up early in the morning. I ask my family, I'm useless after about all midday really but uh, I'm, but I'm, I'm pretty good in the morning and um, before then so uh, so I have no problem getting up and reading the bible but that's the staple isn't it that's what you want to do as God's people surely how if you're a Christian why would you ignore this it's the way that God speaks to us it's the way he rules the world it's the way he shows us the greatest news in history it's the way he shows us how he wants us to live I mean, it may be for 22, you want to just start get going on a new habit of reading it each day. There are plenty of helps for that, so have a word with me at the end if you'd like to find out more. Or you could say in 22, I think this is uh, our last service of this year, isn't it? But you could say in 22, I want to read the, through the whole Bible. It's about four pages a day. That's no big deal, is it? That's all. Well, what a great thing to do, to read it. So, uh, the world rebels, God rules. First point, the world's rebellion is ultimately futile. Second point, God rules through his word. And predominantly today, that means through his word, the Bible. And then the third thing, just simply to say is this. Choose your ruler. And what is privilege, isn't it? Because of Christmas, you can choose your ruler. You can choose your ruler. You can choose your ruler, maybe someone like Herod. Someone who did not believe that anyone else could be on the throne. Someone who wanted to live his life for himself and would get rid of all those who would compete against what he sought, who he thought were competing against him. You can choose to follow his master too in a rebellion which is ultimately futile. Or... You can choose to follow the one who grew up to be the king. The king of the universe. The one who came to die for us, as we will remember in communion in just a few minutes. The one who was raised and is alive today 
and sits on the throne of the universe. Choose your ruler. Actually, put like that, there's not really much choice, is it? It is obvious. Choose your ruler, follow your ruler, whose name is Jesus. Once a refugee, now living and reigning forever on the throne. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the way you ruled the world. You protected this little family. You protected them from evil in the world. And you made sure that your plans for the salvation of mankind were brought through. Lord, we praise you for that. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us as your people to live with you as our ruler. For Jesus' sake. Amen.